the dreaded NHS pensions brown envelope telling you that you may have an NHS annual allowance tax charge to pay. Just reward from HMRC for all your hard work in the NHS. If you've received a brown envelope, don't panic, but you cannot afford to ignore it. In the next 45 minutes, we're gonna tell you exactly what you need to do with this brown envelope, including why you've been sent a brown envelope, if you don't have a brown envelope, why you still might have tax to pay, what exactly is the annual allowance and what common mistakes could be costing you thousands of pounds in tax right now. There's some links in the show notes below for where you need to get help, but I also made a really simple URL to remember, and that is medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash NHSPR. And of course, as doctors, the first thing that came into your mind when you heard PR was that it stands for pensions report, of course. Hope you enjoy the video guys. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you want more content like this. And if you're watching on YouTube, drop your questions below. Take care. The Medics Money podcast helps doctors, dentists, and other professionals make better financial decisions. Hosted by myself, Dr. Tommy Perkins, a GP. And by me, Dr. Ed Cantelow, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and chartered tax advisor. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute any form of advice and tax allowances and rates are subject to change. So today it's my pleasure to welcome Mr. Graham Crosley to the podcast and to YouTube. How are you doing, Graham? Uh, very well, Tommy. Yourself? Well, as we were just saying, I'm good. If you're watching on YouTube, don't worry. I haven't had a stroke. I've just had some <laughs> dental work done this morning. So I've got a lower motor nerve palsy down this side but don't worry I'll be okay and if I start dribbling Graham let me know so <laughs> we're going to talk about the dreaded brown envelope today which is a very topical topic because they're landing on doormats of doctors and other NHS staff as we speak but before we do that can you just give yourself the intro and why you're qualified to talk about today's topic okay doke. so I've been working with medics for many many years now and specialising very much on the NHS pension. I was a chartered financial planner. I've also set up a technical specialist company that supports financial advisors, accountancy firms, and members directly on all things to do with NHS pension, as well as sort of lobbying government on all NHS pensions issues and sort of helping raise awareness in national press as well. And very active on Twitter as well, right? Yeah, very active Twitter and just sort of making people aware of some of the common pitfalls with the NHS pension. Yeah, yeah. And I think we first met, it must be nearly like four years ago when Medics Money was tiny and Medi Fintech was in the early stages and you'd built this amazing spreadsheet and you were kind of, you know, using that to calculate pension numbers. Is that four years ago? Could it be four years? It is now four years ago since we met in a very nice little pub from memory and we were talking about how daft annual allowance and the NHS pension taxation was back then. And here we are, and it's still daft. Well, it's got even more daft as we... <laughs> it's even as... more complex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I mentioned it already, the brown envelope. You know, can we talk about what the brown envelope is for those that aren't aware and, you know, what it means? And then we're going to go in pretty deep on what you need to do about this, because whatever you do, you've got to do something. You can't just ignore that brown envelope, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the envelopes that sort of creates a lot of fear, unfortunately, among many senior healthcare workers. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, you know, what is it and why does it get sent? And if it doesn't get sent, does that mean you don't have a problem? I mean, that's a leading question because we both know the answer to that. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can certainly go through each of those in turn and address those for viewers and listeners. So first of all, the brown envelope itself and what it is and why is it sent? Well, this is all to do with the annual allowance and that brown envelope contains something called the annual allowance pension savings statement. Now, these are issued to members of the pension scheme where their pension growth has exceeded £40,000. Now, there are two schemes. You have the 9508 scheme and the 2015 scheme. So as there are two schemes, there are two letters. And these letters are issued by the 6th of October. Now, some of you who might be a little unaware of annual allowance, the annual allowance is the limit to the total amount of contributions that can be paid into a defined contribution pension scheme, like a personal pension or a SIP, as well as the total amount of benefits that you can build up in a defined benefit pension scheme, like the NHS pension for tax relief purposes. Now, this applies across all of the schemes that you belong to and includes all of the contributions that you or your employer pay. Now, if you exceed in any one year, you can offset any unused allowances from previous tax years, from the previous three under something called carry forward. And we will touch on that in a moment. But any excess is then charged at your marginal rate of tax. Now, historically, these annual allowance figures were quite large. We went up to £255,000. But it was seen as a very easy target to raise additional revenue. And so we've seen that annual allowance reduced to 50,000 and to 40,000. And now there are some mechanisms that can actually reduce your annual allowance down to 4,000 pounds. Now, the key thing to understand is your annual allowance has got absolutely nothing to do with the contributions that you have on your payslip and that you're making to the NHS pension. It's all about the growth in your pension benefits. So to work this out, we look at the closing value of your benefits at the end of the pension input period, which is the tax year. So they take your pension, multiply that by 16 and add the lump sum. And from that, they take away the value of your pension benefits at the start of the tax year. So that's your pension times by 16, add the lump sum. But this time they give you an allowance for inflation, whereby they increase it using the September CPI before that pension input period, before the tax year. And that closing value, less the opening value, is your pension input amount. And that's what you'll see on your annual allowance savings statement. So if you're watching the YouTube now, you can see here a copy of an annual allowance statement and you'll see these figures there, opening value and closing value. And that's all that means. That closing value is your pension times 16 and add the lump sum. And likewise, for the growth figures, those pension input amounts, it gives you the current year as well as those previous years for carry forward that you can see there. Awesome. So I think that's a really important point that is often missed by lots of people, including non-specialist advisors, that the annual allowance for a defined contribution scheme, which presumably like a private pension, like you're in, like a SIP, I imagine, is simply the contributions in that year and less than 40,000 paid in, all good. But for a defined benefit scheme, like the NHS scheme, it is the growth. And that is where things just start to get pretty complicated pretty quickly there. But is that like the essence of what you just said? It is, but that is also why it is so complicated because you have to work out your pension 
as though you were at normal pension age at that point in time and they're taking it. Now, of course, that leads to massive areas of unfairness because you might get pension growth for pension benefits that will never manifest. And that's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is a very good point. So you said the envelopes will be sent out by the 6th of November. It is 6th of October, not November. Okay, so if you're sat there and you haven't got an envelope and you're feeling pretty smug, don't get too smug too quickly because if you don't get a brown envelope, it does not mean that you don't have a problem. The key thing is that if you don't get a brown envelope, it doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't a problem. So if your pension growth was under 40,000, and that's across both of those schemes, 9508 scheme and the 15 scheme, and you've got no other contributing factors at all. So you haven't put any pension contributions into any personal pensions or SIPs, or you're not in another defined benefit pension scheme, and your total taxable income is below the current annual allowance taper threshold, which is 200,000, then no brown envelope probably means you're okay in those scenarios. But if you are subject to annual allowance taper, so that basically means if your taxable income is now more than £200,000 or was over 110000 up to 2021, or it could be that the statement just simply wasn't produced. There are a plethora of errors within NHS pensions, whereby if there's just the slightest gap on your pension record, and it could be that somebody hasn't closed down that previous employment correctly, or PCSE haven't actually processed your GP earnings data for one year, in those situations, that stops the annual allowance statement from actually being produced. And if you just assume that because I haven't got one, I'm okay, you could get a very nasty surprise. So if in doubt, I would always recommend request a statement anyway, because it's no hardship to have that information. And if you're watching on YouTube now, there's the three different addresses there and email addresses for the different nations and the different pension schemes that you can actually get that information from. Now, it can take up to three months to actually produce this information for you. Yeah. So just with that inaccurate data, it's a problem for lots of doctors, but nowhere is it worse than for GPs. And that's because if you're a hospital doctor, your hospital payroll passes the data to NHS pensions who then record the data and do what they do. If you're a GP, your data goes via PCSE, which is run by Capita, and that is an ongoing saga. My blood pressure will rise if we start talking about that. But <laughs> if you're a GP and you haven't got a statement, just if in doubt, assume that Capita have messed up is a probably fair without getting too crazy. I would say anyone who's a GP should always get an annual allowance statement. I wouldn't leave that chance at all. Absolutely. Yeah. I see so many GPs that just don't have the right data and it is still rumbling on. It's incredible that it's been rumbling on. We've actually got a podcast about it with Nick Grundy. I think you know, Graham, and it is possible to get compensation for that error and stuff. So let's move on from that sore. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, but anyway, let's move on. So, you know, you've listened to all that. You've got your envelope. Now, what I said already, you can't do nothing. So what do doctors actually need to do? Okay, so one of the first things to understand is that this is actually your responsibility. No one is going to tell you that you have got a tax bill that needs paying. Now, I'm a strong advocate of people actually getting to understand this themselves and know this themselves. There are, of course, lots of people that can support them, lots of financial professionals that can do so for a fee. But I would strongly recommend doing this, particularly if you had the statements for the first time, just to get yourself a good understanding. 
Now, the one easy way of doing this is, first of all, is using the HMRC's own annual allowance calculator. The URL is on the screen here, or you can just simply Google HMRC annual allowance calculator. Now, one of the first things that you'll notice on this calculator is that it's asking, do you want to have all the details entered for all of the previous years? So you can see on the screen here, we're going back to 2010-11. Now, carry forward lets you use the last previous three years worth of unused allowances. But those three years are impacted by the three years prior to them. And in 15-16, we had these sort of two mini taxes with their whole own set of complicated rules. So just to make this really, really easy, go all the way back to 10-11 the first time you do this, just to try and see what the outcomes are. Now, if you've got a statement in front of you, you're probably only going to have the last year and the three years prior to that. The great thing about NHS pensions in England is that they have now got this annual allowance and service and pay extract spreadsheet where you can phone them on 0300 330 1346 and ask for your own annual allowance and service and pay extract spreadsheet. And this is what you'll get. It's for those of you who are listening in, there's this spreadsheet with a grid that shows you each and every tax year that you've got, the growth, the opening value and the closing value for each of the 95 section, the 2008 section and the 2015 scheme. So you can go all the way back to 2010-11 to find that growth figure. You can also look back as to what the value of your pensions were as well, because those closing values represent pension times 16 plus lump sum. So you divide those closing values by 19 in the 95 scheme, 16 in the 08 and 15 scheme, and you can see how your pension is growing each and every year. So one of the key benefits, whilst they've got all this tax, et cetera, you can see how good your pension is growing over time as well. Now, once you're armed with all of that information, you can go back all the way to 2010-11. You'll need to actually enter that information into HMRC. So where they're asking for how much were your pension savings for a given tax year, that's the pension growth figure. But you must make sure that you also add on any other pension contributions that you have made to any personal pension SIPs or any other DB pension growth if you've in any other pension schemes as well. Now, it will also ask you when you get to the years 16 and 17 for something called your threshold income. And this is because if you earn over a certain amount, the amount of annual allowance that you get will reduce from £40,000 and it can go all the way down to £4,000. Now, for this, what they're asking for is your total income that was chargeable to income tax, plus any salary sacrifice arrangements or flexible earnings arrangements set up after the 9th of July, but only ones where you actually gave up income in exchange for employer pension contributions. So this does not really apply to pretty much everyone in the NHS. It's only if you set up some special arrangements within a private practice that you would have to even consider this type of arrangement. But the other thing is to take off pension contributions as well. So easiest way of trying to find these things is have a look at your tax return and your tax computations. Uh, for those watching on YouTube, you can see now there's an example of how you can actually get that information. And it's much easier to get that figure from the computation rather than trying to work it all the way through tax return. But also remember to adjust that figure for pension contributions. And once you've put all of those figures in, the HMRC calculator is great because it just tells you what your available annual allowance was for that year, what your total pension savings were, and how much the amount on which tax is actually due. 
and it'll show this all the way back to 10 and 11. So if you've never previously checked your own figures or checked your accountant's figures, as one-off exercise, go back to 10 and 11 and then check all of these numbers against all of your previous tax returns. You'd be surprised how many times we find that they've been calculated incorrectly in the past because someone hasn't used the right amount of annual allowance carry forward. Now, the actual amount of tax that you're due is to pay is based on your marginal rate of tax. So let's say, for example, your taxable income was 136,782, as we just saw on that example, tax computation. And the amount on which tax is due for you was 28,332. Well, first of all, you've still got a bucket of 40% tax that you can use. So that 150 less that 136 means that 13,218 is going to be at 40%. And then the remaining balance is going to be at 45%. So the total tax charge would then be 12,088. I've seen some people just charged the whole lot of 45 because they thought that's what the marginal rate meant but you've still got allowances available up until the 150. Now if you do have a tax charge you must notify HMRC of this no one else is going to do this on your behalf and the amount that you've exceeded your annual allowance and the amount of your annual allowance tax charge must be included on your self-assessment tax return and that's by the 31st of January after the end of the tax year. Now you can either pay HMRC directly so you can either use your savings or you can borrow some money or there's two other things you can use. One is NHS scheme pays where effectively NHS BSA give your tax charge money to HMRC and they effectively loan you the money to pay for that tax bill. That will then accrue interest until you reach retirement and then they will permanently reduce your pension in order to settle that bill. The alternatives is something called private pension scheme pays, whereby if you've got a private pension in the background that's doing nothing, you could use those funds to settle the tax charge that has been derived from your NHS pension. Now, it will very much depend on your individual circumstances as to whether or not that is suitable. And I would suggest in those situations to speak to a specialist financial advisor who can actually talk you through the tax consequences of those types of actions. It can be very tax efficient. It can also be very tax inefficient, depending on your individual circumstances. So don't just do that off your own back. Yeah. Okay. That was a ton of information. I'm going to try and rewind and summarize. But the main thing I want to say is what you just said there is scheme pays is often, you know, when I mention scheme pays to my colleagues, they're like, oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. You know, I'm not going to do scheme pays. I'm just going to come out of the pension. You just need to get expert advice on that because sometimes scheme pays makes a ton of sense. And sometimes, as you said, scheme pays can be quite detrimental. And that using the private pension to pay, I've seen that done a few times as well. And that is a lovely trick, which again, not many non-specialists know about. So that was brilliant. Okay, so you've got your statement, you've run your annual allowance through that calculator that you mentioned, and you've got, you know, a massive charge, okay? All is not lost yet because there are a ton of mistakes that happen. So we're just going to run through some common mistakes that you see regularly, and hopefully that will help people to avoid making them in the future. Yeah, there are absolutely loads. So since we've been running, we've corrected well over one and a half million pounds worth of annual allowance errors since May 2019. I'll go through the main ones now, but at the bottom of the screen here, there is a URL that links to a tweet thread that includes some of the more niche annual allowance errors that can occur. The key one is something called best of three. 
So this applies to those who are in the 95 officer scheme. And what happens is when your NHS pension benefits are calculated, the pensionable pay that's used should be the best of the last three years. However, up until June 2020, the NHS BSA annual allowance statements only used last year's pensionable pay, not the best of three. So if your pay went down and then up again, you're effectively being charged for the same growth twice. Now, all is not lost in these situations because if you have been subject to a best of three error, you can actually get chest pensioners to rerun your annual allowance statement and that will correct the growth for those years. Now, we have got the McLeod remedy on the horizon whereby there will be an annual allowance reassessment anyway of 2015 to 2022. So that should automatically correct the majority of best of three errors. However, remember when I was talking before about carry forward allowance, when you do the annual allowance reassessment for McLeod, that will be based also on carry forward from the years prior to 2015. So even if you have got a best of three error in 2012, 2013, 2014, it could still be worthwhile getting it remedied. I just had a case literally a couple of weeks ago, whereby fixing the best of three in 2013, 14 will save the member £15,000, even though it was years and years ago. So it's worth doing that and making sure that if you have been subject to tax charges because of best of three error to get that fixed. Word of warning, though, if you have got added years contracts and some others in other situations with, for example, mental health officer status, sometimes it's good not to fix that best of three because that drop in pay actually helped you out. And as that was the right calculation at the time, then there's nothing wrong with sort of letting sort of sleeping dogs lie in that scenario. But again, if you think you've been subject to this best of three area, then do speak to a specialist who might be able to help out. The next big one is something called misallocated arrears. So this is where you receive pensionable pay arrears that relate to a former tax year or scheme year. Now, for income tax point of view, it's all paid at the same time, and that's absolutely correct. But for your pension record, the pensionable pay needs to be allocated back to the years from where they actually derive from. Otherwise, what happens is you have this artificial spike in your pensionable pay within that year, which then leads to an artificial increase in pension benefits, which leads to excessive growth and therefore significant annual allowance charges. Just to give you an example, I wrote to ACCEA to highlight this issue and that they should be telling all people who receive clinical excellence awards to make sure that the administration is done correctly. And there were three cases that I highlighted to them. And collectively, those three cases were incorrectly charged £200,000 of annual allowance. These are big, big numbers for these mistakes. And these, again, they go back specifically for the old local clinical excellence awards and the old national clinical excellence awards that were pensionable. But it also can occur, for example, if there's been mistakes with on-call responsibilities or management responsibilities, anything that is pensionable and is then paid in arrears, you do need to make sure that it has been done correctly. The third one is a bit of a niche one, and this is something called inordinate pay. So if you're a hostop and you decide to game the system at the very end of your career and you go from earning 114000 you think, you know what, I'm just going to do some bank work and I'm going to bump up my pay to £200,000 a year. NHS pensions will look at your record and say, wait a minute, you've gone from 114 to 200 k 
that pay is way too much. We're not going to let you have a pension based on 200k. And these are something called inordinate rules, where they will simply look at that pension pay and normalize it. Now, I started seeing people who had been doing bank work during their career, which had created artificial mini spikes of pensionable pay, which were causing annual allowance charges. So I said to NHS BSA, well, look, if you guys can apply inordinate pay to somebody at the end of their career, then surely you should be able to apply the same principles during a career for annual allowance purposes, which they agreed. And so if you're in that situation whereby you've had these artificial mini spikes, you can apply for your pay to be normalised, which can then reduce the growth and then reduce the annual allowance tax charge. The last one that's more common is this incorrect carry forward. As we've just gone through, um, the carry forward allowance lets you use the last three years worth of unused allowances, but those three years are reliant on the years before them as well. And so many people just get this wrong and don't put the right information. So as I said before, use the HMRC calculator, go back to 1011, even if you know that you don't need to go all the way back to 1011, just do it and have a try and put the numbers in because that's an easy way to save money. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, yeah, it's shocking how common errors, well, it's shocking in some ways how common errors are, but the whole pension has just become Byzantine in its complexity now. So I guess that's how the errors come in and that's why we need people like you. Okay, so... Hopefully everyone's still with us and their head hasn't exploded. <laughs> I, I listen to a lot of podcasts on like 1.5 speed because, you know, the pace is normally a bit slow. But this one I'm going to listen to on like half or, or three quarters speed. And I don't think I'll be the only one, but this is really good. So let's keep going because I want to know what are the potential solutions to all of the problems that you've outlined for doctors? Solutions is a tricky word because there's no easy mechanism here. There's no easy fix. Real solution would be to government to actually come in and actually have some sensible discussions about how to fix pension taxation. That, again, is a topic for another day for a different audience. But and whilst there are no easy mechanisms to predict pension growth, there are some options available to sort of make you a bit more aware and a little bit more prepared as to what's going to happen. And the key ones are in sort of three categories. One is DIY. I'm a big advocate of people sort of self-educating and understanding how their pension works and how the taxation works. And there's a whole sorts of resources on that. And I'll go into those in a bit more detail. We have things like sort of the VMA Goldstone Modeler, which has sort of distilled a lot of that information into one spreadsheet, which you can use in order to try and sort of calculate your growth, or you can use a specialist a sort of financial advisor and accountants. So with regards to sort of DIY stuff, there's lots of information available online on the NHS BSA website. There's also the NHS Employers Annual Allowance Ready Retina, which is, again, on the screens now. You can see there as well as the URL where you can put in a few of the details and it will tell you what it would estimate your annual allowance charges to be for this tax year. It hasn't been updated yet, but now that we've got, for example, the September CPI figure of 10.1%, that will mean that this calculator should give you a, a good idea of what your annual allowance is likely to be for this year. A caveat that with sort of based on current legislation, because there's a whole consultation that's going to be launched later on this year about changing the way that benefits are revalued and probably shifting them into next tax year rather than this tax year. So don't be too shocked by the growth figures you see on this because they could be a bit lower this year. There's the BMA Goldstone Pension Modeler, as mentioned, whereby if you're a member of the BMA, you can go on there and sort of 
enter all your details, do a bit of studying, and then that will give you some sort of prediction as to sort of where your pension growth is likely to be going and where your benefits are going. Again, a big advocate of both of these systems, just sort of give yourself a better understanding. Or if you don't have the time, don't have the inclination, and you don't want the risk of getting it wrong yourself because this is complex and literally if you just put the wrong number in the wrong box something that looks like it could be a zero tax suddenly turns into tens of thousands of pounds of tax so there are specialist financial advisors and accountants that do have tools to model your nhs pension as part of sort of financial planning and accountancy services now these can cost anywhere between sort of hundreds of thousands of pounds depending on the complexity of services that you need addressing. Having been a financial planner for many years, I strongly advocate everybody at some point sitting down with a financial planner, not just for NHS pension taxation, but just to make sure that you've got a financial plan in place. What happens to your family if anything happens to you? What's your plans for retirement? What's your plans for inheritance? Those types of things. So I'm a strong advocate of seeing financial planners during your career, likewise accountants as well, but making sure that you use a specialist medical accountant rather than just a generalist because they will have got no clue at all about the NHS pension. And that's where we see a lot of mistakes if they don't specialise. Finally, one option that we have got is, so within MediFinTech, we set this up in 2019 to sort of help financial advisors and accountants sort of demystify that NHS pensions and the interplay with pensions taxation. I've got a very, very expert team now. A lot of the guys, they actually worked at NHS BSA in the annual allowance team and the pension awards team. So what we've just launched now is that we'll still continue to support financial advisors, we'll still continue to support accountants, but we're also providing a direct to member NHS pension report service. So this is more of a technical support. So it sort of slots in between that do-it-yourself and using other modelers or getting somebody else to like a financial advisor or accountant to do this. So we're going to be doing a direct to member service that we're charging at 650 plus VAT. And on the screen now, there's a QR code that is a link to our service. But what you get basically is a report that projects your NHS pension to your chosen date of retirement. And that includes factors such as sort of annual allowance, scheme pays, lifetime allowance, as well as the McLeod remedy and the annual allowance reassessment. And we are very much NHS pension geeks. We can model any scenario. We can do salary sacrifice car lease. We can do GPs. For example, you mentioned earlier how PCSE haven't updated some records for ages. I think one of our cases, we actually rebuilt their pension record from 2003 all the way to now so that you can actually submit scheme pays estimates for HMRC rather than being surprised with a huge tax bill later on. But yeah, if you can think of a scenario, we can model it basically. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so just breaking this down in terms of where to get help. So the options, as you said, were I'm going to lump DIY and the BMA's modeler together because essentially you're doing it yourself. And the one thing to say about the BMA modeler is it just works for consultants, GPs, pensions, <laughs> very difficult to model. So BMA modeler just for pensions, you're doing it yourself. It's a calculator. So, you know, if I gave you, Graham, a calculator to work out someone's risk of having a heart attack, and one of the fields was what's the patient's blood pressure and you typed in 80 over 130, okay, 80 over 130 for the blood pressure. Any doctor listening to that right now knows you've typed it the wrong way around. But with all due respect, you have no idea because you've typed it upside down. But if you don't know what the numbers mean, then you're not going to spot it. So I guess that's the risk with any calculator. And then 
advice from an expert, of course, I would echo your recommendation to only deal with the experts because it's so complex now. And at financial advisor school, you don't get taught much about the NHS pension at all. So you need an expert. And obviously, that's the most comprehensive and robust way to do things. But, you know, it's very time consuming and is very expensive. And maybe not everybody needs it. I think, yeah, if you're in the twilight of your career or haven't had a full financial review, as Graham said, I would 100% advocate that. And so that was like the status quo for many years. You were either doing it yourself or you were going all in on the financial advisors. But I like your way because it's like the third way, really, which is kind of, you know, not doing it yourself. You're getting expert oversight, but it's not an advice service. So should we talk a bit about what that means? And then would you mind if you, I know you've got the anonymous version. I've got it on my screen if you want. Could we just have a look at the actual report that you produce? Absolutely. I think the first thing you mentioned there is a very important point. This is not financial advice at all. If you're looking for financial advice, strongly recommend going to see a specialist medical financial planner for that type of service. It's very much technical support, guidance, bit of handholding. If you've got questions regarding your own individual circumstances and your pension, then we'll be able to answer those technical queries and how they actually impact your NHS pension. Where we bring a lot of benefit is our experiences of spotting errors. So having done this for years, it's quite easy to look at a set of numbers and think, oh, that number doesn't look like it's in the right place. And then from that, you can then extrapolate that the tax charge was incorrect. Quite often on Twitter, I'll see somebody say a message, I've just had a tax charge for 30, 40,000 pounds and I'm a first year consultant and we just know that's wrong. And so actually we just quite often will reach out and have a quick look at those numbers and say, this is where it's actually gone wrong. You need to use this, this and this, or you need to speak to that employer to actually get it fixed. But yeah, more than happy to run through an example. Just to jump back on that first year consultant, because that is something we see all the time as well. So you know, can you explain a bit more detail? Is that going to be misallocated arrears or carry forward error or, or is it not that simple? It will depend on the individual. So we've seen for consultants, there's an increment error that tends to occur whereby your pay goes up in increments based on how many years you've been in the role. Now, sometimes that increment date isn't correctly applied. And so you might end up, say, for example, you became a consultant in the August, but they didn't actually update the pay records correctly. (laughs) You might actually get an arrears payment that sort of hits in another tax year, or you could have an arrears of a previous increment all being applied at the wrong point in time. But typically when someone becomes a consultant, yes, there is a jump in pensionable pay, but that should always be covered by the unused annual allowance from the previous three years as carry forward. Yeah, great, because we see that all the time and then carry forward covers it and then once you run out of carry forward a couple of years later and get another increment then you have got (laughs) potentially but again it's worth just knowing your numbers and checking your numbers it's all about the numbers okay let's have a look at the report because it just gives you a lot of detail and uh, yeah so this not advice thing is basically really really important because if you want to know should i opt out of the scheme should i use scheme pays or whatever then that is advice whereas what you're providing is a detailed what well, we're going to see in a minute hopefully a summary of the numbers and it's really nice and clear and I, I mean i first saw this kind of version of this four years ago the post-it note things have gone which i didn't like them sorry <laughs> So here's the report then. So we start off with some details that just explain about you. 
So the, oh, sorry, excuse me. There's a phone call. <laughs> right. Small interruption there, should I say, because, well, Graham, you're on the road at the moment for various reasons. They try to kick you out of your hotel room. I mean, do they not know what we're doing here? <laughs> That's very true. They said I had at least another half an hour, but they're now kicking me out because it's a full house apparently tonight. <laughs> right, we better go quick then before you get thrown out or charged. So yeah, our pension report basically is set to your chosen retirement date. And that can be different for the 9508 scheme versus the 2015 scheme. We can factor in any lifetime allowance protections that you might have, but we give an estimate of what your annual pension is likely to be at your chosen retirement date, as well as the lump sum and what that net monthly income would look like based on the current legislation. Now, we also show what would happen if you took the maximum lump sum as well and how that impacts the reduction of pension, the increase in lump sum, and also the change to your net monthly income. We also project forward what the scheme pays balance is, if you've used that to settle any annual allowance charges. And if you had any annual allowance charge in 2019-20, what the potential value of the annual allowance compensation is going to be for you. We also estimate what the lifetime allowance charge is and a brief summary, first of all, on annual allowance and what your potential tax charge could be for the current tax year. So before the tax year has ended, we'll give you an idea of what this tax year is looking like. We'll also give you an update as to sort of what your benefits are looking like as at the end of the last scheme year. So this is really useful for GPs who might not have anything up to date whatsoever, because we will factor in the stuff that's on your pension record, but also the stuff that you tell us from your accountant and what you think is going to happen in your practice and what your pension profits are going to be looking like. We show how your benefits accrue over time and then give you a breakdown of your pension based into the two different schemes, so 95 section, 2008 section, and the 2015 scheme as well. We show how your pension has accrued. And from that, what deductions, so whether or not there's an actuarial reduction for retiring early, the scheme pays reduction, which is that conversion of your scheme pays debt balance into a physical amount that's permanently reduced from your pension. And likewise, any lifetime allowance charge that is permanently reducing your pension. And again, we show the differences based on the standard award or the maximum lump sum and bring them all back down together again. So you can see that this is a pension, this is the lump sum, this is your net monthly income. We have a bit of an education piece on lifetime allowance and how that all works. And then your individual assessment of lifetime allowance. So what's the capital value of your pension at retirement? What's the tax charge as a result of that? How much do they then reduce your pension to settle that tax charge? And when you're likely to breach lifetime allowance. So I would point out that breaching it is not necessarily a good reason to actually opt out of the NHS pension. We then also have an education piece on annual allowance, as well as an assessment. And you can see here from the screen, we go all the way back to 10-11, simply because we know people have made mistakes in the past. And from that, we will then compare it to what your existing taxes and what you have actually paid. We then go on to the McLeod judgment and the McLeod remedy. So we give a bit of a brief history as to how that all sort of fits together. And then we look at the annual allowance reassessment based on going back to the legacy scheme. So we rewind all your pension benefits to 2015 and then replay them as if you had always been in the legacy scheme. And that's the same for GPs as well as for all members. And we look at what the original growth was, the revised growth was, the difference, how much tax did you pay, what the revised tax to pay would be, and what your potential annual allowance compensation is likely to be as a result of that. We also show what your pension benefits could be if you chose the legacy scheme 
for the cloud for those seven years between 2015 and 22. We break down again between different pensions as to what those would be and then bring them together so that we can say, this is your pension if you've chosen the legacy scheme. And we do the same again for the reform scheme. So we show how much the pension could be if you chose the 2015 scheme. And then we do a quick compare and contrast as sort of where they are at the moment. We also show the differences in benefits for being an active and deferred member. We're very keen supporters of the pension scheme and big advocates of people staying in the pension scheme, particularly for the death and service and ill health retirement pension. I've dealt with way, way too many members now who've had to undertale tier one ill health or tier two ill health retirement, whose family finances would be completely catastrophic had they not been in the pension scheme. We then show what the assumptions were. So for example, if this is an example of a consultant, so you can see that we've mapped out those increments that are going to occur in the future. Similarly for GPs, if you know that you're gonna be dropping sessions or taking on more sessions, those can all be mapped out into the future as well. And then for the real number geeks, we show for each scheme year, how the pension accrues and what the actual standard award is for each of those, which can give you a good idea of, well, when would I get to a net income of X? And you can and start to see those. So it's very comprehensive, the type of analysis that we do, but it's not just the numbers that's important. It's that reflection on your pension record and seeing if there's anything wrong or if there's opportunities. For example, one of the key things that we've been focusing on is pay protection. So for example, if you're a hostock and your pensionable pay goes down, so say for example, you lost a National Clinical Excellence Award, there are things that you can do to protect that called Regulation R9 Pay Protection. So we've been trying to spot if people have missed an opportunity in their pension history. And then where those opportunities are missed, we help those members get them fixed and tell them who they need to speak to and what they need to do. So it's not just the numbers analysis, it's the sort of whole wraparound sort of technical support. Yeah, absolutely. That report looked amazing. My favorite thing about it is it matched my t-shirt, the color scheme. Uh, <laughs> All intended. Yeah, and yours. Like, wow, that was just brilliant coordination. <laughs> totally unplanned. So if you want to get the report from Graham, you have the QR code, but if you're listening on the podcast, I wanted to make a really memorable URL that medics would instantly remember. So I went for medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash NHSPR. Okay. I'm just going to leave that out there because all medics know why NHS PR is mildly amusing. But there's the QR code as well. So there you go. So you scan that QR code and it takes you to the form where you in input the data and off you go. Or you can go to medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash NHS PR. Yeah, thanks for your time, Graham. You're about to get thrown out of your hotel room. My dental anesthetic is rapidly wearing off, which is not ideal. So probably wrap it up there. I mean, there's so much going on in the pension at the moment. I mean, I always end the podcast by saying, you know, because this is so technical. We're talking about so much technical information and some doctors are just like, right, I've had enough. I'm going to opt out and buy some rental properties. So you presumably have a private pension. Okay, if you could swap your private pension for my NHS pension, would you and why? Yeah, absolutely. Take, for example, so I do a lot of webinars for all parts of the NHS. So the one that sort of sticks in my mind is if you're earning, say, £30,000, that would give you a pension each year of £556 per year. Now, that pension that you're getting from your pension contribution, which is only going to be like £2,300 net, that pension, that £556, is backed by the government. 
So that's absolutely secure. It's index linked, so it will increase with inflation. If I wanted to buy that privately, it would cost me £25,000, but you could have that for two and a bit thousand. So I would definitely buy it off you. If, I, if there was a way of being able to have your pension and me pay the contributions for it, absolutely, without shadow of a doubt. His mind's not for sale and definitely not swapping. And also, if you've got a private pension at the moment, you probably just lost 15, 20% of the pot value because, well, if it's invested in the stock market, whereas the NHS pension is, as you said, a guaranteed inflation linked for life. Okay. So, yeah, because I really worry that lots of doctors listen to this and just go, oh, my friend opted out. I'm going to opt out as well. So, yeah, I think just remember what Graham just said. Any parting words of wisdom? Or, I mean, I can hear like banging on the door. They're really coming for you back there. I think that the key message there is that if you are going to opt out, definitely speak to somebody before you do, because you want in writing from somebody to say opt out so you can go back to them if it was wrong. I can tell you for one, I will never put in writing to anybody to opt out because the NHS pension scheme is an exceptionally good pension scheme it's complicated it's not as good as it used to be but it is still very very good yeah and it's a form of delayed remuneration so if you give that up by opting out you are opting out of an incredibly valuable form of delayed remuneration it's just ridiculously complicated now but that's why people like us and people like graham are here to help so thanks so much graham i'll put those links on and what are you on twitter again gdc uk at GDC UK. Okay, I'll put that link in the show notes as well. Thanks for your time. I know you've got to get out of your hotel room now. <laughs>